welcome to the podcast, The Happy Hangout with Christy. Today, I have someone to introduce you to. Um, first, I want to ask you, have you ever been close to death? Like, 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 like really scared and fearful because you thought you might die. Well, my guest today is going to tell you about his personal story of survival. So welcome, Greg. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me, Christy. I appreciate it. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and then, um, like, you know, where you're from and what you do, and then you can go into kind of painting a picture of how your story started. Now I found you on a podcast. I heard your story and I was like, oh my gosh, I want my audience to hear your story. The way you tell it is amazing. And so just start us off telling us about your life and then the story. Well, thank you. Uh, well, let's see. I was born and raised in Syracuse, New York. So upstate New York. Um, went to Bible college. My life really changed as a t I grew a lot in my faith as a teenager. And I decided I wanted to go to Bible college. So I went to Bible college in upstate New York, also Lima, which is just south of Rochester, unfortunately, a city that is going through a lot of a hard time right now. Everyone can pray for Rochester, please. I get so saddened when I see what's going on on the news in Rochester. So everyone can pray for them. But, um, but I went to Bible college there, studied youth ministry because I wanted to be a youth pastor and help to change teenagers' lives the way that my youth pastors and God changed my life as a teenager. So that's what I wanted to do. So I went to college for that. And then when I graduated, um, my pastor asked me to go to Korea for a couple months during the summer, after, right after I graduated to go to Korea to help out for a few months with a church plant. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll go out there. See, my philosophy on missions is Jesus already said, go into the world and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything. <clears throat> so if Jesus said, go do it, then, and I learned this from my cousin, Heather, many years ago, when I was invited to go on a missions trip. And I said, and I said, I'm thinking about whether I'm going to go. And she said, why are you thinking about it? Jesus already said, go. And she said, I'm thinking about if she said, I'm not praying about whether I should go. I'm praying about whether I shouldn't go. And I'm like, you know, that's a great philosophy. And that has been my philosophy ever since. So when my pastor said, will you go to Korea? I said, my answer is yes, unless God says no, then I <laughs> won't go. But other than that, I will automatically. And I did. And uh, it was a glorious two months. Uh, I fell in love with Korean people. I fell in love with the Korean culture, the Korean history, Korean food, um, made a lot of friends. And after the end of the two months, I felt like my, my, uh, my work there was unfinished. When I had to go back to New York, I felt like I had more there that I still needed to do. So I, uh, after a number of months of waiting and consulting with leadership, maybe it was about a year, maybe a little over a year. Finally, I went back to Korea and I was there for about a year and a half before the doors closed for me to stay there. But at the same time, a door opened for me here in Guam. And that was nine years ago. And I've been in Guam now nine years. I've been at this church. It's a Korean church. That's how I ended up in a Korean church because of my uh, my history in Korea, working with Korean people and with churches in Korea 
So then it was kind of a natural fit for me to be invited here to Guam. And so I've been the youth minister slash English ministry minister at this church, Castle Zion Church. If anyone looks it up, it's online, Castle Zion Church in Guam. And I will put those in the show notes so people can can find out about your ministry and yeah. Okay. And I am ordained through this group called Missio Global Ministries. So Missio Global. Um, We'll give you the link to put in the description too. So that's the uh, group that ordained and sent me. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I love, um, I just already love your story, um, your Mm -hmm. passion to work for the Lord and then um, to work with students. So the Mm -hmm. story you're going to tell us actually is about taking students, right, on a a little hiking trip? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Boy, oh boy, there's the... (laughs) How much time do you want me to? <laughs> well, I love to hear. Um, I, I love to hear when you shared the story on the podcast. I was just so tuned yeah. in. So I say paint us a good picture of what it was like. I want to feel like okay. I was there with you. <clears throat> okay. Um, without, without sucking up all the oxygen in the world, I'll try, <laughs> I'll try to, <laughs> you know, without, you know, by speaking too much. Um, Boy, let's see. Um, well, it was 2015, uh, spring break, and I want to do, you know, during the summer times or during some kind of break time, generally we like to do camps or whatever we can with the teenagers to keep them motivated and interested in church and God. So um, it was spring break, which is one of the shorter breaks, you know, but still I figured let's see what we can do with the youth group. Um, and unfortunately, because some go to public school, some go to private school, only a couple were able to, and, and they have breaks at different weeks, but we were only able to get two boys and me to go hiking, but that was okay. I figured, well, if that's all we get, then that's, then that's good enough. We'll, we'll go with the three of us. And it was, uh, it was a beautiful area that I love called Pagat Cave, P-A-G-A-T, Pagat Cave absolutely breathtaking. Um, and it was my first time ever. Uh, I'm sorry. It was, it was their first time ever. I was the one who knew the hike pretty well, but the boys, it was their first time. In fact, I love it so much. I actually went back literally days ago. I went back, um, four days ago on Saturday with some friends. <laughs> it well, was it's good to know that you went back there. So, <laughs> I've been back there many times, many times, but, uh, I decided, yeah, let's, let's go to pocket cave with the boys. So, um, you know, it's very interesting in light of my story. The night before we went to Pocket Cave, the boys spent the night at my house and we were up late talking and whatever, watching TV or whatever we were doing. And um, one of the boys felt like um, he didn't want to watch TV anymore or whatever. So he went in the other room and he played some music on his Bluetooth speaker and he played the song oceans by hillsong take me deeper than my feet will ever wander and uh kind of like a premonition there i think um (laughs) but he played that and then afterwards after that song i wanted to listen to something so i played and this is by chance i just felt like listening to this group called evanescence and the song is called going under i'm going under drowning in you and uh, 
I mean, it's freaky when you think about those song choices from the previous night. <clears throat> but the next day we went to Pocket Cave. Um, I led them down. Uh, I couldn't wait until they got off their phone. They, they were teenage boys, two teenagers on their cell phones, texting their friends or whatever. But I was so glad when the cell phone signal dropped because then we were really together. They weren't, you know, pretending that they were somewhere else. Now, were they, did you so, say, were they high schoolers or how old were they? High schoolers. Okay. Uh, they were, uh, I think 15 okay. or 15 or 16. They were 15 or 16 at the time. And uh, so they were texting their friends. The cell phone reception dropped out. And as we entered into the jungle, we had fine reception at the parking lot where we parked our car, but then we were going down the hill toward where the cave is down at the bottom of the jungle. There's a beautiful cave filled with fresh water. But if you climb up the backside and around the cave, there's a trail that leads you to a beautiful vist ocean vista where you can, on a safe day, you can jump off the cliff about 20 to 30 feet high. I'm not exactly sure. And 20 to 30 feet high. Have you done that? <clears throat> I did that um, about a year or two prior. Oh. I jumped off once or twice before that day. I yeah. can't imagine. <clears throat> I have a video on my Facebook of, of me doing that. I could oh. actually show you I, because I had a friend record it. Oh, so that's I could cool. actually put the link down in, in the description too for that. Yeah, Man, that'd be fun. we have to take notes of all these links that we're. Yeah, let me, let me write this down. <laughs> so it was Castle Zion Church. Castle Zion Church is my church. And Mine. I do have that. I do have that link. Okay. Yeah. And then okay. it's, um, and then it's um, Missio Global Ministries. Yes, got that too. And the video of the jumping off Pocket Cave okay. on my YouTube. <clears throat> That's on my YouTube. Okay. So. So um, you're sitting there. So you y'all get to that part yeah. where people do the jumping. Yep, we got there. We went there. By the way, on the way down to the cave, we passed a lady who was leading a group of Japanese tourists, and she and we were greeting each other. And she and we said, um, "We're gonna jump in if we feel that it's safe enough." We had no idea. And she said, "Oh no, don't, don't, don't! It's very dangerous, very dangerous. Please don't do it. Please don't do it." And see, I'm the kind of person who will make those decisions for myself. Yeah. Without being told what to do. So I graciously said, okay, thank you. Thank you. But then I told the boys, you know, if it's safe, we can do it. We can do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we got to the, uh, we got to the ocean overlook and it's all limestone, very sharp, rigid, jagged volcanic limestone that will cut you into pieces. Um, and, uh, and the waves were just crashing over those rocks with, with an incredible force that I've never seen um, here on this island. And I thought, yeah, this is, this is way too dangerous. I mean, clearly, I mean, it wasn't, there was no question about it. It wasn't like little waves like last week where you're kind of wondering if it's okay. This was clearly dangerous nobody in their right mind would have entered the water on that day. Um, so I said, let's just stay down here for a few minutes, enjoy the beauty, and then we'll go back to the end of the jungle where there's the cave. And uh, we'll just, you know, and the cave is beautiful in its own right. 
But I said, let's just stay here for a while. And uh, after a minute or two, I decided, you know, I the waves were coming in and thrashing against the rocks with such force that the water sprayed up into the air, high up into the air, 20 or 30 feet, maybe 40, and then just coming down and splashing everything. But we were standing pretty, quite far back. And I said to the boys, you know, I really feel like being splashed. Uh, that's all it was. I just wanted to be splashed. So I went down to closer to the cliff side, not too close, but close enough. <clears throat> and I found a place where I could sit, excuse me, I found a place where I could sit and, and put my feet. Um, there was a, how do I explain it? There was a depression in the rock that was smooth enough and round enough and just big enough for me to sit down in facing the water. And then there, was a, there were a couple smaller depressions in the rock where I could put my feet, my left and right feet. And it was like a seat with kind of like in the front of a car when you're sitting in the front of a car in the passenger seat. If you extend your legs long enough, your feet actually are angled upwards. And you can push against the front of the car, push yourself back. And that's what it was like. I, I, was, I had my feet in a place where I could push back it was just a comfortable spot. I didn't think anything of the security that it provided. I just thought, well, it's a comfortable spot and I'm gonna sit here and be splashed and then be gone. <clears throat> but I invited the boys to come down with me. And one of them was filming because he wanted to get on camera the moment of the splash. So he didn't wanna come up. His name was Sam. He's the pastor's son of the church here where I'm at. Pastor O, so Sam is the son. He was recording, he didn't wanna come down with his phone, but Kyle, the other boy, did come down. And when he was coming down, I thought to myself, okay, I'm sitting here in this really good seat. What I could do is stay here and make him sit over on toward my left, which is not as good of a seat, or I could give him the better seat. <clears throat> And thank God I gave him the better seat. I, because if not, I don't know what would have happened. So better about seat. That all the time. Better seat as better in, seat. So you could see uh, better or it, it just wasn't <clears throat> a safe. The uh, I wasn't thinking of this. Well, where I was sitting, like I said, I could sit down and it was comfortable. Yeah. And there was the security of you could push with your feet. Right. To the left, it was not nearly as comfortable. It kind of looked like this, like the rocks were shaped like this. So you're kind of trying to sit in, in the crevice in between these sharp points. Okay. So it was like this. And of course, that, and it would lead down into the ocean. So there was actually no form of security. There was nothing for you to grab onto except sharp rock. Um, to, if you want to hold on to anything, you can't on the seat to the left not seat to the left, but on the rocks to, to the left. And, and normally, as an adult, we'd want to sit in the comfortable spot. <laughs> and let normally the we sit. would. Yeah. Normally. Um, and as a pastor, I can tell you that a lot of people do give me the comfortable spot or they want me to eat lunch first or whatever. And I just always insist on going last because I always think of what Jesus said. If you want to be first, be last. And if you are going to be 
less than you're going to be first or if you're uh <laughs> you know what i'm doing i'm, yes, I'm yes. messing it up but but um yeah if you go first you're going to be less someone is going to put you in your place and humble you um or god will do it so i thought well i'm going to give him the better seat even though i'm almost twice his age i'm going to give him the better seat so i actually moved to the left to the seat that kind of it, it actually looked like a slide it looked like a slide leading off the cliff. That's where it looked, what it looked like. But and at, at any point, did you think, mm, maybe no one should sit here? <laughs> Not at all. Oh. I didn't think that it was that dangerous. I oh. thought I am about six feet from the edge of the cliff. Um, the water is going to come up and splash us. And that's it. I didn't have any apprehension. It wasn't the safety or security issue that I was thinking of, not in the least. I was only thinking about this, I'm giving him the comfortable spot. I see, I see. <laughs> you know, that's all. I didn't think that there was any danger at all. Um, well, one wave came, another wave came, another wave came. None of them was big enough to create a splash. But then we saw one wave and we thought, we think this is maybe the one that's gonna come and splash us big. And it did. When it hit, now, one thing you need to know is that um, there's, rock, there's a big, large rock that jets out in, into the ocean right at the place, where, at the edge of the cliff where we were sitting. It's like this. Here's the ocean level, and there's a big rock here that goes out about 15 to, to 20 feet. Then, for anyone who's watching the video, they can see the picture that I'm painting with my hands. And then here, there's about a six to eight foot drop off the edge of the cliff, and then the land goes up gradually on the rock and kyle and i were sitting about here and sam was up here recording so uh, we were sitting here and then it would you know so it was about six to eight feet six feet here and then six to eight feet down and then a big rock here that leads out you know that jets out into the sea so the wave so what we needed was a wave big enough that would come and splash the rock face the cliff face and then splash up and, and across okay. and come over us. That's what we were waiting for. So finally, after a bunch of little waves that didn't do that, we found one wave that was big enough and it did, it splashed up and it just drenched us. Sam, we have it on video of the moment when the wave came up and Sam laughed because we were just drenched, but he was dry. It was like going to SeaWorld and having Shamu do yeah. the tail thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then um, in an event that none of us could have predicted, I began to slide forward. When the wave, see, because what happened was there was so much water in the wave that when it came down and landed, it needed to go back into the sea and my, like I said, my, I was sitting on a spot like this that looked like, you know, U shapes and all of the water landed in there and just started going forward. And it just pulled me forward with it. And within just a second or a second and a half, I was gone. And um, to this day, I thank God that Okay, let me, let me just explain something like I explained in the other podcast and to everyone who wants to hear this, that the volume of water in that wave was a curse because it pulled me out to the sea. 
but also the volume of water in that wave was a blessing because there was so much what remember right at the bottom of that cliff after a six to eight foot drop there's a huge rock that's about 10 to 15 to 20 feet not even 10 15 to 20 feet that goes out into the ocean i could easily have fallen off of the cliff and then dropped those eight feet and banged my head and never you know never uh remained conscious or right. died upon impact who knows um but actually the the wave had so much water in it that when it pulled me into the ocean it pulled me across it kind of slid me like hydroplaning when you're driving too fast in the rain and you drive across the puddle like jesus walking on the water it slid me across the rock and i don't i didn't feel the rock at all as far as I had known, as far as I knew, I, I slid directly into the water. I didn't even realize that there was a rock there until later when I, when I saw and I realized that there was a rock there and I'm like, whoa, God totally spared me from, from that. So I stayed awake, tumbling and tossing around, conscious tossing and turning around. Are you, and, are you, are you um, a good swimmer? Are you a good swimmer? I am not a good swimmer, but at least I know how to stay afloat. Yeah. I'm a horrible swimmer. The breaststroke, the doggy paddle. What, I mean, whatever. I, I, I don't know anything. The butterfly stroke. I don't know anything yeah. about how to swim well uh, but, or how to move my arms right. But I do know how to stay afloat. Um, so that was, that was a great blessing. So uh, Now, what, is it, what are the kids doing at this point? I mean, you probably don't know because you're underwater. I don't know. Uh, at that time, I didn't know. Um, well, what I noticed upon learning that the video still existed of that moment. Um, now, the video is so personal. I really don't know that I want to share that. Yeah, I was. It also freaks people out. It, yeah. it it also freaks a lot of people out when they see it because they know about the ordeal that I went through after this point. Um, but uh, but it is a personal video. I share it with people that I'm uh, really, really close to. But in the video, um, as soon as Kyle realizes that I slid into the water and that I was gone, he quickly um, got up and Sam started laughing. I'm sorry, stopped laughing and uh, quickly ended the video. So Sam just turned off the video as soon as he realized what had happened. Kyle got up as soon as he had happened, as soon as it, as, as it had happened, probably to go back up, up the rock, um, away from the, you know, to real safety, right. away from the water. Um, I put my arm, I was still tumbling and tossing and turning around in the water at the time. I put my hand up above my head so that I could feel the water coming down my arm because I had no breath in my lungs. I didn't, I was not expecting this to happen. So I didn't prepare by taking a deep breath. And uh, so I just needed the earliest gasp of air that I could. So I figured if I put my hand up, then as soon as I come above the water, as soon as my arm and I feel it coming up down my arm, I can know when to expect to be able to take a breath. So that happened. I put my arm up and I came up above the water and I took a deep breath, uh, got my bearings. I was quite far at that point already quite far from the place where you would jump off and then swim to the other side and climb back up. Did I you even, did you even out. like, did you know what happened when you come <clears> up? <throat> I remember one time I fell into some water 
And I didn't know what that I even had fallen in until I came mm. up. Did you know, like, were you aware? Even before I came up that breath, I knew that I was dragged. I mean, at the moment that I was being pulled into the water, even at the moment be before I went in, but as I was beginning to slide forward, I didn't know what, I mean, I looked around, I didn't know what I could grab onto. There was nothing, for, I mean, if I had grabbed onto that rock, it would have been, my hand would have been sliced mm -hmm. um, in the middle of like taking a knife and cutting your mm -hmm. hand with it. That's what the rock would have done to me. There was nothing for me to grab onto. I knew what was happening in real time. Um, I was completely alert and aware of everything in real time. And it was very scary. Um, so, uh, boy, oh boy, let's see. Um, yep, I came up for air, got my bearings. First thing I thought is, let me try to make it back to the rocks, which was a very stupid decision, because even if I had made it back, then before I would have a chance to climb the rocks, another big wave would have come and thrown me against the rocks. But and like, that would have been awful. You think, what, I mean, that's the only option it's you the, think but, of at the time. But it, 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 was, it was the only option I thought of. Yeah, exactly. Um, looking back, it was unwise. But at the moment, it looked like the only chance. You know, of course, you fell, fell into the water on a dangerous day. Get out. So I tried to get out. What I did was I closed my eyes. My eyes were burning from the salt. Um, I closed my eyes and I just began to swim with all my might. I began to swim as hard as I could to the part where you would usually on a calm day climb out. And I, maybe 10 or 15 seconds, I just closed my eyes and swam as hard as I could to reach that spot. When I opened my eyes, I was actually, actually so much farther out to sea than I was when I started that because the waves were just pulling me out. So all of that exertion of oxygen did not help me in the least. A few years prior to that, I had gotten my scuba certification. And they tell you that if you're scuba diving and you're underwater and you begin to panic, don't freak out and don't exert energy and waste more oxygen than you need to, needlessly. Don't do that. Just conserve your energy, conserve your oxygen, um, and control your movements and control your breathing. So I thought, okay, well, that's a principle that I can apply to this situation. And, um, and that was a few years prior that I had had the open divers certification that I got that. But just a month before this event at the cave, I got my advanced certification. So all of this information was fresh in my mind about not wasting oxygen. So immediately I just decided, okay, I'm not going to swim to the sea and to, to the rocks anymore. If I do, I might die anyway. I'm just going to try to stay afloat as long as possible and wait for any help to come. That's all I can do at this point because the ocean is much stronger than I am. And you've had faith so, that the boys, did you have faith that the boys were going to call for help? <clears throat> I told, what I did was I yelled to the boys, help me. I yelled very loud, help me once or twice. And then I thought, oh no, what if they interpret help me as help jump me. in and help me? So I quickly revised my statement to call 911. 
So I did that. And then uh, I, I, I don't remember hearing, I mean, I remember having them shout different words. I don't remember whether I could hear them or understand them or not. I don't remember what the words were, even if I couldn't hear them at the time, but they, we were yelling back and forth. But I don't believe that, that I heard what their reply was because all I tried to do was to shout, call 911 louder and again. Um, so I believe if my memory <laughs> serves me correctly, I don't remember what they said. But the, anyway, they did call, they, they, but it, remember there was no cell phone signal. They had to run up the trail from the parking lot into the jungle is downhill. They had to run uphill. Part of it is very slow and very, where you're actually kind of like rock climbing. Part of, part of the, the trail is you're rock climbing on the way up. Then it becomes more walkable. Um, and trekkable up near the top. But at the beginning, it's a bunch of climbing, so it slows them down. But remember, this was their first time there. The jungle part, the part from the parking lot to the cave is generally pretty easy. But from the cave to the ocean overlook is more difficult in terms of where you are. So the boys at one point set down their water bottle. They had a big water, a red jug filled with water. And they set it down. They were like, this thing is slowing us down. So they set it down, ran around the jungle for 10 minutes, and then they actually came across that red water bottle again. So they realized that they had literally been running around in circles. Oh. And, uh, and they had to, but finally, thank God, they, they made their way to the, to the cave and then up the trail. And it was only when they were back at the cars, they were checking their phones the whole way, but it was only back in the parking lot that they got the cell phone rece reception. They called 911, 911 called the Coast Guard, the Coast Guard called some other people. Um, uh, but meanwhile. meanwhile, I was in the water alone and um, blaming God, really blaming God, and I still feel horrible for it, but I was blaming God for why is this happening? I'm never going to have the chance to do all I've wanted with my life. It was very, it was a very dark moment for me. Um, but there was one moment that really changed everything about the way that I was thinking and contemplating everything going on. Um, I was, yeah, I was, I was asking all the typical questions. Why, why me? Why is it happening? Why are you allowing it? all of these things. Did that, did that but, time, I know you spent a lot of time in the water. Did it feel yeah. as long as it was? Did it feel longer? You know, you, you're spending time talking to God or, you know, sharing all your frustration. Did it seem like that was just a lifetime? It really seemed like my life flashed in front of my eyes, but very quick. It, it seemed as quick as it was. Sometimes when people, when people's lives flash in front of their eyes, it seems like a long time, but it was actually in the snap of a finger. For me, it just seemed like a snap of a finger. Everything that happened seemed like the amount of time that it actually took, if that yeah. makes yeah. sense. It didn't seem any longer or shorter to me. It really seemed like it was about the time that it was. And you were in, um, the, in the water for over an hour, right? <clears throat> well, we estimate, we have the, we have the timestamp of the video of the moment that I fell in, which I cannot remember the time, but one something in the afternoon, I think. Um, 
what what I don't have is the moment that I got out of the water, but I uh, the time, but I want to see if I can get that information from the people who have it. Um, but I was in the water and asking God all these questions and just thinking about all these things. And I began then, my mind went to the fact that this was the week before Easter. This was the Monday before Easter. We have Ash Wednesday coming up, Good Friday coming up, Easter Sunday coming up. And I began to think of Jesus because that's who we think of during that week. We think of Jesus and all that he suffered. And I thought of Jesus and all that he suffered. And I thought especially of Good Friday. You know, Easter is always, Easter is a very special holiday for me, but just as special is Good Friday because Easter is a joyous day, but Good Friday was the very sad day. So I don't want to cover that up. I want to think about that and suffer with Jesus, not just celebrate with him, but I want to suffer with him too. So I think of what Jesus went through every year on Good Friday. So when I was in the water, I thought of Good Friday coming up. And I thought, you know, when Jesus was dying, he was dying surrounded by enemies who were making fun of him and mocking him and all of the ridiculing him. And, and I thought, if Jesus can die being surrounded by enemies, then I can die alone. It will, it will be easier for me to die alone than it was for him to die in that situation. And I also thought if Jesus could die with his clothes off, he was naked, they took his clothes off and it was such a shameful, embarrassing thing. If Jesus could die with, naked, then I could die here with my clothes on in a far less embarrassing environment. If Jesus could die a death filled with excruciating pain on the cross, this death by drowning is not going to be pleasant to say the least, but it is not nearly as bad as being nailed to a slab of wood. Are these, so if Jesus could die that way, then I could die this way. Are these things that you were thinking at the time or you, I was thinking at that time in the water. Okay. So about after you, Good Friday, first you mm -hmm. were frustrated and angry and then you started having some yes. compassion. Okay. I was frustrated at God. Then I thought, wow, look at what Jesus did. And he did it for me. Mm -hmm. And if Jesus, and this was all in the water, I was thinking that. And I was thinking, if Jesus did that for me, and these two words came into my mind, grace and dignity. If Jesus could do all of that for me, and if he could die with so much grace and dignity in that situation, I'll try to gather up as much grace and dignity as I can have in my situation and just stop being such, such a complainer. Um, Jesus did it for me, so I should be appreciative, and I always have been. But also Jesus did it, even if he hadn't done it for me, he did it, period. So if Jesus had that mindset of being able to being willing to die, even if it wasn't for me, the control that he had over his body and his mind in that situation. I thought, you know what? I'm going to try to control myself as much as he did. Um, I'm going to try to be thankful. I'm going to, instead of thinking about myself and why me, why me? And that really was the moment that instead of thinking about myself, I began to think about other people. And I began to think, and, and instead of 
complaining to God, I began to thank God for, because originally I was in the water thinking, I'm never going to have the chance to do this. I'm never going to have the chance to get married. I'm never going to have the chance to start up my dream church. I'm never going to have the chance to do, to have my dream job when I get older or whatever. But after that thought about Jesus's death, I began, instead of complaining to God, I began to thank God for the chance, for, the, for all the things that I've had the chance to do with my life. Instead of, I'll never have the chance to do this. Instead, it was, thank you, God, for giving me already the chance to come to Guam, to bless these kids, I hope, to see as much of the world as I've seen, to have a loving family that, that ministered to me growing up and that I've been a pleasure to be a part of. And so I thanked God for everything instead of complaining about not having the chance to. So it really changed everything. Um, I began to pray for other people. I prayed first for my family, my parents, for comfort, for God to give them comfort and peace as much as he would to heal them as much as possible because I know that this, that my death would just be a blow to everybody, especially my mom, but it would be a blow to everybody. Secondly, I prayed for the church and the youth group. And I prayed, God, this is Easter. This is Easter week. Please, Lord, let my death not, not take, uh, how do I say it? Let them not focus on my death more than they focus on your death and resurrection. I did so, not want, yes. But would you say at this point, you, you really thought this is it? Like, I, I can't hold oh, on much longer. I was in the water. I, even before I came up for a breath, I realized that I was going to die. There was no question about that. It wasn't a question of whether I was going to die. It was just a question of when. I didn't even think that any help was actually coming because the waves were too high. That was one thing I didn't mention to you, but the waves, I, I estimated, and I'm not an exaggerator. I'm really not an exaggerator. Uh, I estimated at the time that the waves were about 15 feet high. And I was not exaggerating when I said that. Um, later, I found out that the waves were in reality 11 feet high. So that is the actual number measured by the people who uh, took care of me, <laughs> um, who saved my life. But, um, but yeah, no, I realized that I was going to die. And I just thought, God, please don't let my death detract from the sermon on Sunday about your death and your resurrection. I really did. I really prayed that way. That was an actual prayer. Don't let them focus more on my death than they do on yours, Jesus. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, and in the meantime, it was near the beginning of my experience in the water. I was swallowing so much water, my eyes were burning. Eventually, my eyes got used to it, and I was able to have my eyes open the whole time without them burning because your eyes do get used to it after a while. Um, but I, uh, I was beginning to become less, just little by little, but I was less, getting less point. In the beginning, I was, it was about like this, uh, where the water was here and my head was up like this. 
at so the your end, head was, it was about like this. So the, for the people end. who are listening, just listening. Yes. So the water was like to your neck area. Midway and then, down my neck. Okay. Uh -huh. But then if you tilt your head back and you put your, if you tilt your head back facing up and you put your, water, uh, your hand just under your, under your lower lip, above your chin, that's about where the water was kind of near the end of this ordeal. Because I was swallowing so much water, I became less and less buoyant. Um, I made the decision early on to pray the whole time. I did a few things that practically helped me. Let me tell you what the tips were for practically helping, helping me. Uh, the, the waves were coming obviously not from the land. Of course, they were coming in from the sea. But the sight of the land was giving, just, this, just seeing the land was giving me comfort. I didn't want to look out to sea. Mm. I wanted to look at the land because it gave me a little peace of mind. But if you looked at the land, then the waves are coming in behind you, right? So I thought, I can't, you know, then the waves are hitting the back of your head. And, and then when the waves are hitting the back of your head, 11-foot waves are hitting the back of your head, then it pushes you under. It pushes your face literally into the water. And I was swallowing so much water, and I thought, I need to do something to change this. So the five steps I did, or so steps I did, was even though I wanted to look at the land, I made the choice to look at the waves directly so I could prepare for when they were coming. The second thing is when the waves were coming, you know, the waves were coming, uh, I was, uh, how do I do it without hand signals, you know, for the people who are listening, but the waves are coming in. Uh, I have 11 feet uh, to go up with the wave and then 11 feet down. But as the waves were coming up, then I had to make sure that I stayed above the wave. I had to make sure that my head stayed above the water. So the first thing I would do is face the wave. The second thing I would do is I would take a deep breath to fill my lungs with oxygen to help me stay afloat. The third thing I would do is pedal, uh, paddle with my feet more, stronger with my feet to stay up above, especially the crest of the wave. The fourth thing I would do is almost near the crest of the wave, just as an added burst, I would push down in the water just to burst myself up a little bit over the crest. And then the fifth thing is at the crest of the wave, facing the wave the whole time, but on the top at the crest, turn my head away so just the crest hits the back of my head and doesn't come into my nose or mouth. And those five things put together really minimized the water that I was swallowing. It really, uh, I, I, I went under the water and tossed and tumbled so many times, countless times in the beginning. After I found that those things helped, it hardly happened. But another thing I did, and this is a huge key, I prayed the whole time, I prayed, and I made a conscious decision to pray with my mouth, to pray aloud. I did not wanna pray silently in my mind and become distracted. I was afraid that if I prayed silently, I would become distracted. So in order to avoid being distracted from prayer, I prayed aloud. I made the decision to do that. And it actually served a more practical purpose also 
because what it did was it ensured that I was breathing properly. It ensured that I was taking deep breaths. Um, it ensured that I had enough oxygen to go around my system. And, uh, and that really, really helped to save my life. I think if I had not prayed aloud, I wouldn't have lasted as long. And I think I would have died quicker. And I'll tell you why later. Well, I know uh, our listeners are dying. Like, how did he get out of there? <laughs> yeah. So, tell yeah. us, tell us what I happened. I tried not to give it away. Um, <laughs> well, again, I thought no help was coming. I, I, I looked to the, to the cliffs to see if I could see any hikers who were like, I was looking for some Arnold Schwarzenegger type, you know, some man who can move a mountain, who could come in and, <laughs> and who thought I can save you <laughs> and come in. <laughs> But then, uh, but he would have sank like a rock, you know, but I just, I was at that time trying to think of any possible solution. But I, then I realized, of course, no hiker is gonna, there was no one I could see, but even if there was, they probably wouldn't have seen me and they would not have jumped in. It would have been awful. Um, so hikers, that's not going to happen. I thought jet skis cannot happen. Boats cannot happen unless it's a big boat. But I thought a boat is not going to, you know, even a big boat is not going to come this close. I, I, I think I was about a quarter mile out to sea, something like that. Um, but even a big boat, would they get that close? I don't know. Um, I just thought one by one of every possible scenario, and then one by one, I eliminated every possible scenario until I was hopeless. And, and then... I thought of one more option that I had not thought of before. Whoa, cliffhanger. <laughs> We're going to finish up the story in the next episode, episode five, where you will find out how he survives. It's pretty amazing. This is the perfect time to subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend about it. Did you know there's a share button? Yeah, you can share it with friends. they got to hear this fun story, right? So also, if you'd leave a rating, that would be amazing. Five stars. And then also tell me, tell everybody how amazing this podcast is. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you in the next episode.